Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. I was in the middle of singing that and this little hand comes up on my arm and just said, Mommy, I can't stand up. And he wasn't able to get up off the pew seat. He wasn't, I needed to physically stand him up. And I found that so hard. Here I am singing, praise my soul, the King of heaven. And my son, this is, is admitting to the fact that he's struggling to get out of a chair, you know, and it's progressive. So you see these kind of loss in function at times. And I found, you know, I found that hard. I remember singing the rest of that song with tears in my eyes, thinking, yeah, this is hard. And, and thinking, you know, God doesn't promise us a life with no trouble or no struggles, but he promises to be with us through the tears. Hello. My name's Ed. This is the Faith in Kids podcast, where we're speaking particularly to parents. Uh, I'm joined by Amy as usual. Amy, how is Liverpool treating you today? Oh, it's sunny today and it hasn't been for a long time. So I'm loving, I think I think I might take a photograph of the blue sky. Today we are part of our Who Am I series of podcasts. We've been delighted to be hearing feedback of how we're hitting the mark, how we're helping families to walk through difficult situations and to think more clearly. We are in a little bit of the series when we're just looking at bodies. We were delighted to have Sam Albury speaking to us about how God beautifully made our bodies. We're going to look at one subset today uh, and it will become obvious what we're looking at. I'm just delighted to be joined by Nick and Dorothy. Uh, Nick, do you just want to start? Tell us where you are. Tell us a bit about your family, what you do there. Yes. Hello. We're in the Republic of Ireland in County Cavan. I'm uh, the minister in a group of churches here. Um, married to Dorothy, and we've got two children. One is just turned twelve today. In fact, oh, it's her birthday happy today, birthday, so uh, she's turned twelve. <laughs> Our son, who is eight, uh, nearly nine. That's us. I want two dogs as well. We've got a an ordinary dog, um, a collie cross Labrador, and an assistance dog, and she helps uh, my son with his walking. That's that's roughly who we are. Dorothy, are you happy to talk to us about your son? Tell us what his life is like. 
and how he came to be there. Yeah. So as Nick said, our son is nearly nine. So our son was born with a rare genetic condition called Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which is, in big words, a progressive muscle wastage disorder, which effectively means as he gets older, he's getting weaker. It is a life limiting condition. So his life, although, you know, we're not God, we don't know everything, but the usual prog- the usual progression is that it is life limiting. He will most likely need a wheelchair about the ages of 10 to 12 and slowly start to lose more and more power in his legs and his upper limbs and also heart and lungs and the muscles of breathing are also affected. So he will most likely need ventilation as he gets older, starting at night and then needing that through the day as well. And his heart may well be what what causes things to end, I suppose. Um, but yes, that's our son. That's that's what he has. That's what he deals with um, day to day. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So that's that's hard to hear. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That's heartbreaking for you as parents. I'm sure that's difficult to deal with for for you and for your son yes and obviously what we're talking about is is the truth that we cling to as christians that our body is is god's good gift to us Mm -hmm. and i think you know the reason we want to have this conversation today is that there are days and there are times when it feels like that can't possibly be true Mm. um and that this is just how could how could this be how could this be right so this is one of those tough conversations and one of those tough things to, to to wrestle with how would you say faith helps you in in those moments when it must just feel like the why questions are so big? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I was actually listening to Jeremy Marshall when he, he talked about one of the, the things he often says is, I could not get through this without Jesus. Hmm. Uh, and, and I find myself saying that uh, there is no way I could get through having a son with Duchenne muscular dystrophy without Jesus. So I really don't know how those who don't know Jesus do get through it. Uh, it must be just, it's, it's hard for us, but it's not devastating. Hmm. It's hard, but there's a resurrection which, which just makes all the difference in this. Uh, to, know, to know a loving God who is in control makes, makes a huge difference. It, it doesn't mean it's not difficult day by day. And, and every day, I, I think uh, someone who, who's not a Christian talked to us about their son and their feeling they they talked about a, a chronic sadness that they have and, and we share that even though we're Christians I think every day is affected by sadness of what what we're missing uh, we feel we we're missing that he's missing um he's probably far more content than we are actually mm. but uh, yeah sorry I'm not sure what the question was but that was um uh, at the start of an answer um, it was it was can you just tell me a little bit about what life is like for you and and for your son? What does a what does a day look like? Yeah, how does a day look? Our son, we when we get up in the morning, he probably needs a little bit of help with dressing, and then we'd have breakfast. And there's various different medications that need to be had over over breakfast, and then getting ready, I suppose, for the school day. We need to get up and get going and get his assistance dog set up and get going for school. And we have a van, an accessible van with a ramp. So we need to get into that and get to school and park and get him in. He then would have the day at school and then we'd need to go pick him up in the accessible van and take him home. 
And his assistance dog is wonderful, but we need to take her for a walk every day. So we always go for a walk every day. And wonderfully, the assistance dog is helping him walk, but that's that's quite time consuming. Come back, get the homework done, and then do whatever activities you do before bedtime. But before bedtime, he needs to have his stretches done and he'll have had medication at various different stages during the day. And then he would settle again for the night. Is that is that? I think so, one of the one of the key struggles is the steroids that he's on. So he's on steroids 10 days and then off them 10 days and then on them 10 days and off repeat. Um, and that the, the, the side effects of those can be quite hard on him. And he can't necessarily see the benefits of the steroids because they're they're slowing down the decline rather than making him better. And just the the reflux and sometimes he's physically sick on them. It's very hard. You know, we, we trust they're doing him good, but it's it's uh, that that's one of the, the, the daily things that's hard. And then when you're out for a, a walk with him, yes, he's got the assistance dog and she's a great help. But you still often find yourself having to to hold him a little bit to stop him from falling because he could still fall even with her. So those are sort of some of the challenges. And then and then the challenge of when you know, there's lots of things you can't do. And holidays, we have to be careful thinking where, where we can go that makes it possible for him and our daughter to, to enjoy themselves and for one not to feel left out. We'd be quite active naturally and, and yet it would like to go to the sea and the beach and you know, those things are harder. Um, we, we've worked out ways of still getting to the beach and getting our son out on the water. He's been surfing um, and uh, on paddle boards and things like that, but but it's all a bit harder. So it's you, you can find yourself thinking, oh, I wish you know that other families seem to have it so easy. And I know every family has its struggles, but the, you, you find yourself sometimes having a bit of sort of self-pity and that that sort of thing it feels like you can't be spontaneous in yes. your plans every every you know i want to go somewhere it's like okay well if you want to go there is it accessible will there be a ramp how where will we park what will we do how do we go about this you know simple things like a play date to someone's house mm. is the toilet downstairs is there steps into the house that sort of mm. stuff so in many ways when you talk about how does it affect every everyday life it really does affect everyday life yes yeah you're the parents that we look at getting in and out of your car with the ramps and we think you're the heroes, you're the superheroes, but you get to say, we didn't choose this. Mm, mm. <laughs> we we didn't plan to be the superheroes. We just don't have, yeah. we just don't have any other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick, there is a central question of this podcast, I think, which is when we think about bodies, we've been saying on this podcast and in our written resources, the phrase we keep coming back to in Psalm 139 is we're wonderfully made. Mm. We were knit together in our mother's womb by our creator. Yes. And as you look at your son, he, he doesn't appear to be wonderfully made, certainly on a superficial level. And in the struggle, faith is stretched. Mm. Mm. So, so there must be a whole pile of questions that whiz around your head. C- could you just because you're also wonderfully theologically trained, that just does mean you haven't been able to hide from any of the questions. Hmm. Could you just walk us through a little of what what you've understood and how you've processed this as a Christian? Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I would start with that wonderfully made. He is wonderfully made, even though at times we, there's things that are struggles. I really start with the image of God right in the beginning of the the Bible, that, that every single person is made in the image of God and so is precious to him. And so our son is precious to God. 
and valuable. And, you know, that's a that's a wonderful thing that, that he knows. And he's actually, when he was writing his thing for All About Me at school, and he was asked, who is he? He wrote, I'm a dearly loved child of God, which Amen. is precious. Um, so, yeah, that's that's who he is. He's made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. But he's also broken, like all of us. Uh, and and so that that we see more clearly in him because his body is broken and he struggles to walk. Uh, and so his brokenness is more obvious to the eye than most of our brokenness. But all of us are broken. His his just seems it's it's more more obvious. And then then as a Christian, knowing that there's there's hope because of the restoration that Jesus gives. As as we saw Jesus walking this earth, as we see him in the Gospels, we get a snapshot of his kingdom and how good it is. Um, we see him healing the sick, and it tells us that in in his kingdom, when he returns, there'll be no sickness. Um, we see him driving out demons and we see in his kingdom when he returns, there'll be no evil. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful picture that we that we see that he he's come to restore things. He's come to deal with our biggest problem of, of sin. And that's very important for us to remember. You know, it's so easy to look and think, oh, my son's biggest problem is his Duchenne muscular dystrophy. But actually, his biggest problem, like all of us, is our sin. And like the paralyzed man that was brought to Jesus what happened? He was brought for his legs to be healed. But what did Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. He dealt with the big problem first, teaching us it's far more serious to not have your sins forgiven than it is to not be able to walk. So we see Jesus's priorities. He came to fix and deal with that biggest problem, that problem of sin. And then in the resurrection, we see wonderfully, don't we, that uh, Jesus remakes us he 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 his resurrection is the first fruits is the, the the foretaste his resurrection body is a sign of what our resurrection bodies will be like uh, bodies that won't get sick or tired bodies that won't grow weak and i and i think having a son with duchenne muscular dystrophy means i'm forced to think about the resurrection far more often than i otherwise would have done i i think about the resurrection every day and and i don't think i did before our son came along and it, yeah, one of the things I was struck by reading through Luke's gospel recently was a, a woman that came up to Jesus who had a disabling spirit. And Jesus said to her, woman, you're freed from your disability. So sometimes the, the, the world talks about, you know, acceptance is a good thing, but, but actually Jesus sees brokenness and he frees people from that brokenness. And it's a foretaste of what, what he will do when, when he returns. So, um, that's something of a, a a start of an answer anyway. <laughs> I think as parents, we all see it's hard for us to, you know, in a way link to what you're talking about, because uh, how how could I compare the fact that my son struggles a bit with with his with with making friends or that my daughter finds finds these things hard when, when what you've talked about is so huge. But what you've just said about us all being broken, I mean, there's, there's that element of of in in all of the ways that that we feel pain and we long for something to be better that that in that moment there is there is something that we can learn and there is some sort of springboard to what is it that hurts and how does this point us forward Dorothy could you say something about would you be willing to say something about your personal faith presumably you would want to say there must be days where you wonder if god is loving you 
Yeah, actually, it's quite recently. I was, we were all in, well, we were in church. Um, obviously, Nick is a minister. He's up the front, but we were down in the pews and William was sat beside me, which is, is would be usual. And we were singing quite loudly. Um, praise my soul, the King of Heaven. And I was saying, praise my soul, the King of Heaven. And I was in the middle of singing that and this little hand comes up on my arm and just said, Mommy, I can't stand up. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't able to get up off the pew seat. He wasn't, I needed to physically stand him up. And I found that so hard. Here I am singing, praise my soul, the King of Heaven. And my son this is is admitting to the fact that he's struggling to get out of a chair, you know, and th- it's progressive. So you see these kind of loss in function at times. Hmm. And I find, you know, I found that hard. I remember singing the rest of that song with tears in my eyes, thinking, yeah, this is hard. And, and thinking, you know, God doesn't promise us a life with no trouble or no struggles, but he promises to be with us through the tears. And I'm singing this song, preaching to myself, praise my soul, the King of heaven, who is good, who is in control, who's loving. I'm finding this hard right now, but he is loving and having to preach that to myself as I, as I share that with my children, you know, it's hard in particular as well for our daughter, you know, when she asks me questions Mm. of things like, so will William need a wheelchair when he gets older? Will William need a breathing machine when he gets older? This is, I suppose, in the context of having another family member who has a form of Duchenne who is in a wheelchair and on a breathing machine. And it's so hard, isn't it, those moments pointing to, yes, God is good and we don't know the future. But yes, it is most likely that your brother is going to end up like this. Yet still trying to point to God's goodness through that and preaching that to myself at the same time and saying, you know, God is good. And I think as Christians, you know, you talk about that chronic sadness. I think there's a realism in the Christian faith that this world is broken and we really see that. And, you know, that's the, in some ways it means it feels it's okay to lament that because we know it's broken and, but also having that hope. And as, as Nick has said, you know, it's that hope has become sharper in in the struggles that we have day to day. Yeah. That just leads on to, I think, which is what's the difference being a Christian make? I mean, you just started on that. You, you've both said it's hard to imagine how you could do this without Christ. Do you see a contrast with how others engage with disability or how even those outside of your family talk to you about it? If you don't have faith, what are you left with? I think particularly in the Duchenne world, there is a real, I can see a real striving after a cure for Duchenne. And after your child is maybe diagnosed with Duchenne, there is a real sense of fundraising for for various Duchenne um, charities, chasing after a cure. And, you know, I'm not saying we wouldn't absolutely love a cure. Of course, we'd absolutely love a cure. But as we've kind of alluded to before and, and, and said, yes, we would love for William to be walk this side of eternity. But we know that if he's trusting in Jesus, he will run and jump and what joy there will be in eternity. So I think, yes, I, I feel that, you know, we, we have a hope, don't we have a sure and a certain hope for trusting in Jesus. We have that wonderful hope. 
And without that, there is a hopelessness and there's a chasing after the trying to keep this life here and this or prolonging that with chasing after a cure. I'm not sure um, what other attitudes are there. I think there can be a real a real attitude of we all love happy endings, don't we? We want things to get better. And there can be a real attitude of sure he's doing really well, isn't he? Keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's doing really Positive well. Positive thinking. Positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Just keep going and striving onwards, keeping going, ploughing on, moving onwards, keeping upwards, that sort of a an idea. Dorothy, that the story you just told about singing in church with you know tears streaming down your face. I'm I'm still <laughs> I'm still massively moved by that story and I just wanted to ask for your son in that moment uh, what what difference what would he say what where's his his faith at because uh, I mean I can hear yours and it's beautiful and as parents you know you're I just wanted to hear a little mm. you know what would he say I just love our son has a really simple faith in Jesus. God made him the way he is. He's clear on that. He seems very happy in that in some ways. And he has a wonderful hope of heaven. He really does have that joy of knowing that things will be better. There'll be no more tears, no more suffering in heaven. And I think in many ways, you know, it says it in the Bible, God uses the weak to shame the wise. And sometimes I really feel that with our son. And for example, there was there was one time I was saying to him something about his self-control. So you're very self-controlled. And he just turned to me and said, Mommy, I pray for self-control every night. Why wouldn't I be self-controlled? I was like... Yeah, okay, fair point. <laughs> you know, it's just that wonderful trust, isn't there, in God and that God answers prayer and that God cares for him and God loves him. There's that real faith. And we and we say quite often people will ask how, and it's a hard question to answer, you know, how is your son doing? You can be like, well, not great, like he's getting worse. Um, but, you know, physically, yes, he's getting weaker. But spiritually, he's getting stronger. And I think we see that he has a really strong unquestioning, not unquestioning, but a really strong unwavering faith. I think there are, there are times, you know, when when he has asked about God's love mm. and we have talked about the cross at that point, because there, there are there are those times and we, we don't know what he's praying quietly on his own. But I think that there was just one one time I did notice a sense of, of a, a why question and it's good to encourage those mm. questions isn't it Not to to allow him to mm. to ask the the why questions and um you know he does know that god showed his love at the cross that that um that that is really something we 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 try and hold on to that that we know god is loving because of mm. because of the cross mm. and that he's he is faithfully and wonderfully made and and so, so often our world's view of what it means to be fearfully, wonderfully made is to be, you know, in some way visibly impressive and physically mm. impressive. And that whole, I will praise you because I'm fearfully, and wonderfully made. You know, do I see and hear and everything that you've just shared, your son uh, praising, praising God with the, the limitations that his body has put on him, but yet the heart of faith, you know, is that, that to me is a more powerfully praiseworthy story than being able to to easily stand up in a chair and sing mm, a song. Mm. 
you to actually struggle to stand and still want mm. to sing. And and wonderfully, he he's you know when I ask questions in church, he'll be one of the first to put the the the, the poor up in the air to answer, and and <laughs> you know he's he's very keen. Yeah, it's wonderful. And recently, just um, in school, they play videos on YouTube while they're doing their art, so they get to request some music, and <laughs> William requests awesome cutlery. Hey, <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> he's got great taste. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> Nick, could you tell us for some unhelpful responses? And I, I guess we I am thinking partly of Christians. Yes. I'm sure there's a, a, a wide variety. So just be brave because... Because we've all you're, probably you're... said something terrible exactly. and we need you to exactly. help. <laughs> Give us a long list, Nick. Yeah, well, no, I think we've sort of hinted at, at some already with the, the the jollying you along and, and you know, try you, you, want, you want to cheer people up, don't you? But actually sometimes... We just need people to lament with us and to say, you know, it's hard and, and there's a place to weep with those who weep. Uh, and, and so not, not trying to just jolly things uh, along. And I think more recently, one that's probably fairly common, but I, I was surprised at the same time, a, a man who said to me after a, a Christian conference I've been at, he said, uh, he said, he, you know, he knew about my son and he asked how he was and the family and, and then said, well, look, I know I shouldn't say this, you're a, you're a Christian minister, but I'm going to say it anyway. And he went on to say, a quote a verse from the Bible, if you seek my face I'll, uh, and really fast and uh, I'll heal your land. And, and, you know, he took it out of context, but he, what, what it left me feeling, even though I'm a Christian minister and have had lots of theological training, it left me feeling really sad. If what he was saying was true, it meant that my son's condition was really my fault. And if I could just seek the Lord a little bit more and, and fast and pray a little bit more, well, of course, God would, would heal him. Mm. And that means all of it, the pressure is on me rather than relieving the pressure. Actually, the conference had been about turning to God in your pain and crying out to God. And, and I was left feeling this sadness that this, this man had, had made me feel I just needed to pray a bit more for healing and then I'd, I'd have it. And I'd been through all that with my mum when she died of cancer. So in a sense, I was, I'm more robust to it, but it still hurt. So I think I, I don't doubt God can heal and can heal today, but to, to place all of the emphasis on us rather than on God is very hard. I just, um, I, I'm fuming, I have to be honest. I, I would love you. There might just be some listeners who are thinking, you know, I've I've followed that argument and I, you know, he's got a point. Nick, please just tell us, you finished by saying as Christians, it's not all on us. There is just another sentence you could give us there, Nick, which is, you know, if you heard someone else saying that to a friend of yours, what would you want to say? Uh, now, I've just made it personal, but my point is, please tell us the right answer, Nick. Well, the the right answer it comes back to to what I was saying earlier about the resurrection and how ninety nine percent of the blessings in the Christian life are still to come. So that that is the the ultimate answer. And the the problem is we try and claim those blessings now. Uh, one of the things my son's disability helps us to have is an eternal perspective, um, to think about eternity and how short our lives are. So I think that the right answer really is that healing will come in the resurrection for those who trust in the Lord Jesus will have new bodies. But for now, the Bible's full of brokenness. We we are going to, I mean, the man who was talking to me was wearing glasses. And I said, why are you wearing glasses? Um, you know, we're, we're all broken. 
uh, and we we are all going to die unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime. We can't stop that. And of course, when we're sick, we want to pray and we want to pray that we'd get better. But we also want to pray for the blessing that comes through it and of of being made more like Christ. Uh, as David talked about in the Psalms, before I was afflicted, I went astray. As Spurgeon talked about, there's no greater ble- blessing than than health except sickness. <laughs> so to, to see that actually God uses the sickness and the weakness. I took the man to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul prayed three times for God to take away um, the thorn in the flesh. And what was the answer that he was given? My grace is sufficient for you. It wasn't try a bit harder. It wasn't pray a bit more and seek him a bit more. It was my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. In our weakness, we depend on God all the more. And of course, the passage the man was talking about, I think was from Chronicles, which is about healing the land. It's not about healing the people. So people take these verses and twist them and and you can feel so hurt by them. So please, please think about that. (laughs) Yeah, you've given a beautifully godly biblical answer. I'm just going to take it back to the, the moment when he said, I don't think I should say this, but I'm going to. You know, that, that there are, mm-hmm. mo- when if you don't think you should say it, don't say it, done. <laughs> yes. yeah. Nick, yeah. could you tell me, parenting yeah. a child with a disability, how is that different? I think what I'm, I'm really asking is how do you not just let your heart melt every day and give them everything that they've ever wanted? Um, how, how is every answer not, I'm so sorry, here's an ice cream? Hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, no, well, I think there's a, there's a, a sense, uh, I mean, where our daughter goes horse riding and, and so when she goes horse riding, he's missing out. He can't do that. And so we do Lego together. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I am tempted to, to buy him models of Lego. And we sort of, you know, justify that on the basis of our daughters getting the money spent on the horse riding. So we have we you do built that. a Death um, Star yet, Nick? Not you yet. No, no. Star? We did the at ST, and we're going to do the at at next. But okay, okay. You know, okay. <laughs> we haven't got to the Death Star or the Millennium Falcon <laughs> yet. That, that, that's, that's where coming. we're I'm thinking. I'm a bit tight. I've seen the prices. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I mean, to be honest, our son is very hard to spoil. He's very hard to give treats to. He is very content and it's it's sometimes hard to to go out for a treat. He just loves being at home. Uh, I tried to take him out on the on the paddleboard for a, a treat and I took him too far out to sea. <laughs> he had a life jacket on. It was safe, but um, he, he was scared by the waves and I was in trouble for that. So no, he really is hard to, to spoil. I think it, to, in terms of Christian parenting, that there's the standard you know as in we we try to teach him about the lord we bring him to church with us he goes to sunday school we read the bible at um, dinner time pray we pray before bedtime we read the bible before bedtime just a short thing he's got a little devotional that he reads when we're doing his stretches actually he he reads that we try to listen to to christian music in the in the car and i suppose it's looking out for those opportunities for for conversations you know not all the time but from time to time if he's talking about his sore legs, we might talk about the resurrection and how there, there's a day coming when they won't be sore. Are there are there other things you'd you'd add to that? I suppose with with usual parent, I can see what you mean. You know, there might be a temptation to say, "Oh, well, I, I won't really go with the discipline in this because, sure, you know, look what he's mm. facing or whatever." 
But what we want for our son is for him to grow in his godliness mm. and to bring honor and glory to Christ through his life. And, you know, I, I do think he does. But to do that as parents, we need to discipline him just like we would our daughter. And I think sometimes, yes, there is that temptation not to, but having to remind myself, I want both my children in the circumstances that God has given them in their lives to bring honor and glory to God. And we want to do that. So I, I try to discipline exactly the same, both of them. Now, I'm not perfect and I don't bring honour and glory to God every second of my life either. I might need discipline myself. But, you know, we do our best to, to bring them up in the knowledge of the Lord. And that is also in the way in which they behave towards each other yes, and towards yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Could I, there's, there's just a sort of general parenting point that I find myself often talking to people about when, when you've run a parenting session, people put their hands up to ask. You have just laid out beautifully that 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 blend of normal boundaries, normal discipline. There's a place just for no, but also Nick is mentioning those occasional longer conversations that it might be some listeners are hearing the story of your parenting and your clarity in faith and thinking, you know, is every day in your family a long, long conversation about the resurrection? And, <laughs> and, and what I'm hearing, Nick, is really helpful, which is... You can't actually sustain that in the normality no. of life. You know, that no. none of us can sustain that emotional intensity or think it's helpful for our children. Yes. Yeah. But you're, you're trying to pick a moment where you're going with the flow of life and it feels like you, you're, you're surfing a wave and this, this is a moment. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, there's a lot of Lego and a lot of spaghetti and <laughs> yeah, 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 a lot of yeah. going to and from places in the car. That's right. <laughs> yes. Explain that wonderfully. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you think you could just, um, could you help us a little with how we could help others? Hmm. Uh, how, uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's another question we often get asked as we help churches, is how do we help families whose children have needs? Yes. C could you give us some beginnings of answers? And, and we know everything is different, but just start us on that, Dorothy. I suppose... We want everyone to be included in our churches, don't we? And we've got this wonderful world, inclusion. But inclusion is more than just a ramp up to the front door. Um, there's no point in getting someone in the door of a church and then leaving them stranded. You know, I think, and as we're involved in church ministry, a lot of that, you know, we work a lot, obviously, with our son. But just simple things like getting them in the front door. Are children groups accessible? Have we thought about that ahead of time? And there are some wonderful Sunday school resources out there that have a page on addressing additional needs with children. And this is right, but it very much heads towards the autistic spectrum disorder stuff. It doesn't think through what about someone with a physical disability? So if we're going to play a game today, how can we include a child who can't run around like everyone else? Um, and I suppose... We do that within the church. I would try and do the games in our holiday club and stuff so that I know that William is included. 
But for others, just thinking about how can you include the child with the disability? And inclusion is just so much more than just including them in activity as well. Inclusion is allowing them to have that full participation in the body of Christ, isn't it? You know, we've got the body of Christ with its its weak parts and its strong parts, yet we're all part of the body. We're all included. We're all needed. And allowing him not only to include a child with disability, but also to allow them to serve. You know, can they help with picking up the Bibles? You know, could we pop it in their laps and they could then, you know, do you know, just different things, how can we include them within the life of the church? And then just thinking, I suppose, of how we can help families. I think we touched on it, the whole idea of lamenting with us. We don't need to be jollied along. Lament with us. This is hard. Mm -hmm. And at an appropriate time, then point us the wonderful hope that we have as Christians. Mm -hmm. Please do that. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in the trenches, sometimes it can be hard. You know, please do that. But also, include us as regards a play date or something. You know, some, it was one stage William was going for a play date and the lady said to me, OK, we've got, we haven't got a downstairs toilet. There's a stairs upstairs and we've got two steps up to the front door. I just want to let you know in advance so that, you know, and I was like, great, I can then decide how we proceed with this. And maybe it's a case of saying to a family, we've got two steps onto the front door. If you can't navigate that, how about we come to you? Because I think... That can be a real struggle is just going to someone's house can be a whole big planning mission of if he needs to go to the mm-hmm. toilet, what's he going to do? What are we going to do with the assistance dog? How are we going to get in the door? How are we going to navigate things? So and I think, Dorothy, that kind of thing that you're saying sounds so sensible and so practical. But I just know as a mom, I would be thinking they've got enough on their plate. They don't want my kids as well. <laughs> but, you know, that's why you just have to actually have the conversation. Yes. I'd love, we'd love to hang out. I'd love to do yeah, something. Yeah. How can we do that well? And when mm-hmm. you say, well, actually, it would be easier for us if you came to us. Well, how about I come round and I'll bring the lasagna and we'll mm-hmm. eat at yours. Mm-hmm. Like suddenly mm-hmm. we've got a solution. Mm-hmm. So yes. that, just ask. We had a family come and just say, we're, we're, they, they did ask, but they said, we're coming to stay with you for two <laughs> nights. And it was great. It was brilliant. And, you know, our children had a great time with, with theirs. So mm-hmm. that, that was a great, a great blessing for us. And providing opportunities, I suppose, to explain what life is like day to day. And like, for example, we've done this in school that William and myself have been up the front of school and we have explained to everyone mm. in school what it's like for William to have Duchenne, for example. It's it, for William walking across the yard is like him walking across the yard with boots and we- uh, with wellies on, with weights attached. And I brought in wellies with weights attached and got someone to walk in it. So to, that's a kind of a school thing. But even just within the church, letting people understand, mm-hmm. helping people understand mm-hmm. what day-to-day mm-hmm. life is like. Because once you can understand, then you can start to think, oh, oh well, they wouldn't be able to do it, but they could do this. And helping I think helping our children to engage with a child with a disability, to see them Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. someone that they can be friends with, someone Mm -hmm. that they can play with. And that there's interests that they share. So like the minute you say, he's eight and he loves Lego, we all know what to do with that. (laughs) Can you give me another, I think sometimes it is just about being able to picture uh, what inspires what it could be like. Can you give me an example of, of how your son has, has been able to, to serve, to, to be the, to be the one who does so that we could, oh, oh, that's the kind of thing we could say. Could you do that? 
just as regards in church, one of the... Not amazing- necessarily. Uh, in church, in a home, loving others around at yours, anything. Yeah. Mm. I suppose one of the things in church anyway is he turns up mm-hmm. week in, week out, enthusiastically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He answers questions enthusiastically mm-hmm. every week. And I think that is serving our Absolutely. church massively. Mm-hmm. Tell me the story about clearing the dinner table the other day. Oh, well, it was just... <laughs> he just put into practice what we've been looking at in church. We've been looking at Jesus' teaching on washing the disciples' feet and what it meant to serve one another and thinking about the interests of others. And even though he is weak, he started clearing the table, which you know, he didn't say anything about it, but I recognize he doesn't normally do that. And I think that that was something he'd picked up from church. So, you know, I think that's, that's a wonderful... That's a work of the spirit. An eight-year-old it who is. wants to clear the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible. <laughs> I think some of the other things, and uh, this isn't, isn't so necessarily the, a practical example, but just the being proactive. I'm struck by Jesus' words in Luke 14, where he, he says, who, who do you invite to your dinner party? Yeah, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Um, those on Jesus' guest list were, were the weak. And there's a wonderful Mm. book called Disability in the Gospel. And in the appendix, he's got a a chapter, a sermon on Mephibosheth, who David goes out of his way to befriend Mm -hmm. and says it's a picture of Christ going out of his way to bring in, bring people into his kingdom, to look after the weak uh, and the vulnerable. And so that, you know, there is just something in, in not only tolerating people with disability, but actually going out of our way to, to search for them and to say, well, if they're missing from our churches, we're missing out. Yeah. That, that actually we're missing parts of the body yeah. that need to be there. I am sorry we're stopping <laughs> because I could listen for so long <laughs> and I'm very grateful to you both for sharing this. I'm so I'm very grateful that you've been willing to share with us the actual story and the difficulty mm-hmm. and the honesty. I'm also thankful that you've thought about it enough that you can tell us mm-hmm. how you point our children to Christ when presumably they he has difficult days. And and school school is a, I think school is a bruising place for all children. And you've given us a window into how we could support our children. And I am convinced that this has been useful, not just for those whose children have a disability, but for us all to see with a perspective why we're raising our children. It's, I think it's that central. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, there, is there anything else you just want to share with us before I ask you to pray? I, I think just what you said there, you know, it is seeing that there's, there's benefits, isn't there, to serving one another so actually our, our children can can gain by being friends with someone with a with a disability uh, that they can both give and receive from that relationship so yes i think there's there's a lot to learn from those with with disability and you know, william teaches me things about contentment <laughs> yeah challenges me in that way it was interesting. I was just reading something that Jenny, Johnny Erickson Tata wrote and she was just saying, she says, I know it's not theologically correct, but I quite like to bring my wheelchair to heaven so I can point when I'm in heaven, point to that wheelchair and say to God, you know, you promise us trouble. Well, that was a lot of trouble. But the more the more I was weaker, the harder I lent on you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can be such an example, can't it? Those who struggle physically, who are weak physically, yet we can see sometimes such a strength of faith, how 
in many ways, they're forced to depend on God, but they do depend on God more. And just how someone like Johnny can thank God for her wheelchair mm. and say, you know, this has caused me to depend on God. Mm. And I think that can be such uh, an example and an encouragement to us. Nick, are you happy to finish by praying for us? I, I guess for those parents who know disability in their family, but probably more likely for all of us mm. to know how we can love and understand and appreciate this. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your mercy and grace and your love for us. Thank you for giving us your son, the Lord Jesus. Um, thank you for his love and care for the disabled, uh, for the broken. Thank you that he went out of his way to, to find them and to free them and to set them free. Thank you for this picture this gives us of uh, both his, his power, but also um, of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, how good it will be on that day. And we pray for all of us that we would be looking forward to that day more and more, um, that you would stamp eternity on our eyes, that we would uh, think about the resurrection every day, whether or not we have a disability. And for all of us, whether our children are disabled or not, that we'd be bringing them up to know and love you and to live for you, to, to think about you every day. Um, and for those who have children with extra needs, we pray for extra grace, uh, that your grace would be sufficient for us day by day, um, that your power would be made perfect in weakness. Um, please give us wisdom in parenting. Um, and uh, Lord, we don't always get it right. But we, we just thank you for your, your help and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for this podcast and pray it will be helpful. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Nick and Dorothy, you've served us and our listeners beautifully. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. This has been a Who Am I podcast, helping us to understand the identity our children can have. And we've absolutely, that's where we've absolutely been in this podcast is perhaps it is through disability that we are, we are forced as parents to be clear who are our children. Would each of our children in the Who Am I box write, I am a forgiven, loved child of God. It's a great picture. Thank you very much for joining us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.